Hi everybody and welcome to the October market update from Rosecut. Mike, good to have you with us as ever. How are you? Uh, good, thanks, Danny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're uh, kind of into the post-COVID economy. It's full of supply chain blockages, particularly the, the UK, but also the rest of the world, uh, ships queuing up in ports around the, the US. So topics like energy supply chains, of course, inflation, and then the, the, the potential for central banks to start moving the other way, all lining up. Yeah, yeah. let's kick off by uh, talking about tapering. So this is the process whereby the Fed eventually starts to wind down its purchase of government bonds. And this is something that everybody's been expecting to start in November, so next month. But with some of the recent job numbers, they might push that back a bit. And this is something that everyone's watching very closely, along with what's going on in China. Because uh, a company called Evergrande has uh, effectively defaulted now. And um, the price of high yield bonds in China are also moving as a result. Because there's plenty of other property companies that are getting caught up in this. Have you been watching this story, Mike? Yeah, I mean, we've chatted about this for some time. It's having a quite a, a stressful effect on the high-yield bond market in China. So yields really pushed out to very, very high levels, 20% or so on, on the, the, the risky debt market, which is much higher, actually, than we, when we were in the COVID sell-off. And then a number of other property developers have missed payments uh, or are under kind of financial stress. So it's quite worrying given the extent of the property market, bull market in China. So in China, for example, the house price to wage ratio is about 22 times in the major cities. In London, it's about seven or eight times. Um, so people listening to this in London may think that you know the housing market is expensive. Well, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet if you look at, at China. Um, and there are very, very large um, amounts, obviously, of debt built up on the back of that. My own reading is that the authorities want to let the air out of the property bubble in China in a, in a kind of a controlled way and to allow the private market to absorb bankruptcies and, and ultimately not to have to take you know, some of the risk onto the, the, the national or the government balance sheet. And I, I, I tend to agree with that. The issue is, is the extent to which this will breed contagion across other companies, banks, for example, in China, uh, and then further afield. And we haven't really seen that yet. We've seen uh, Chinese markets underperform, beginning to rally now. Stocks like Alibaba have had a nice rally. It is, I think, for me, it's a, a sort of portend of the future and something to be more concerned about into the future. So we need to, need to, to keep a, a close eye on it because I think it's not going to go away anytime soon. And it may also colour what what central banks across the rest of the landscape begin to do. Yeah, and one of the potential knock-on effects, I suppose, is on the commodities market, because China's been the marginal buyer for a number of years. So if demand starts to fall for certain commodities, that, uh, that could bring prices down, which is relevant because there's some commodities that are actually doing very well at present. <laughs> Oddly, yes. I mean, um, partly driven by various supply chain squeezes. So coal prices in China are up four times in the last month. Natural gas prices in the UK up four times as well. The oil price Brent this morning as we speak is $85. So it's all getting quite heavy. And if we are going to get a kind of classic demand shock from China, then 
those commodity prices could easily be be undercut. So that's that's my own thinking, and and I think we've discussed this. We might see another leg upwards in the price of oil, but then maybe time to sell or take profits if people are into that uh, that that trade. Yeah, the oil price has been very supportive for one of our tactical holdings. Uh, yes, exactly. This year. Yeah, the energy sector ETF. So that's that's something we're watching. But on a broader market view, this. Um, Spike in energy prices potentially has knock-on effects across the line. So it can affect the food supply, for example, and send food prices higher. And um, the big concern that markets always have, or one of them anyway, is around stagflation. So this is where you've got low or stagnant economic growth, but you have inflation at the same time. And that's a really bad mix for both bonds and equities. And it could be that we go through a period of a few months of uh, the winter like that. Uh, so that's one of the key risks that we're watching for in portfolios, because whilst it might be a temporary thing, the markets might just look straight through and be very comfortable with it. There's always the, the risk that actually it starts to um, uh, worry investors. In that case, actually, I mean, <laughs> we've been talking about not having a 5% drawdown in markets for some time. We've finally had that, but nothing worse than that. So it's just a risk that we're keeping an eye on. But otherwise, we're not changing portfolio strategy at this point. We've still got a healthy amount in cash in case uh, markets do fall and we want to reinvest. Otherwise, steady as we go. Yeah, exactly. I think that's sensible, yeah. Great. Well, thanks once again, Mike. And look forward to speaking next month. Okay. Thank you, Andy. Yeah.